Great time to reflect. Obviously, we are reflecting on that, hopefully, today being Palm Sunday, next Sunday being Easter. But if Jesus just not, he didn't have to, but he did, of taking our place, place where none of us would have wanted to be, but he took our place. And he laid down his life for us. Amazing love, how can it be that he'd rescue us? Thank you, Lord and Miriam, uh, for leading us several... What did I say? Lauren and Miriam. What did you think I said? Oh. <laughs> Lloyd was here. Oh, there's Lloyd. All right. Lloyd, thank you as well. Lloyd does do a lot as well, so thank you for what you... So, uh, but thank you for, for leading us. Uh, we're going to have the offering, and then I have a couple other announcements and stuff before we get into the message. So Daniel and Miguel, the offering this morning is for the general fund, so we'll have a word of prayer for that, and then we'll pass that and several other announcements, and, and uh, we'll just keep moving there. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are our God. Thank you for taking our place, for laying down your life for us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning, and Lord, just worship you and praise you. Lord, we sang that you are God alone in the good times and bad. Father, maybe we had a great week, maybe we had a difficult week, but we know that you are God, and you're good, and you're God alone. So thank you for being on your throne this morning. We acknowledge you, we recognize that you are on the throne, and that you're God. So Father, this morning as we are gathered here together, I pray again just a, an awareness of your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, that we can experience you. Father, I pray this morning for each person here, including myself and each person that's listening, that we would experience you, Father, in a new way. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, as we give to the general fund this morning, I ask a blessing on the gift and the giver, that we could use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. James Boyce, good morning. It's good to see you, brother. Welcome. All right, and Matt, it's good to have you back as well. Jen is like, why don't you get Matt to share what, what, uh, you know, what he all did and what he did? I'm like, well, he just came home at 6.30 this morning, so <laughs> it's good to have you here. Maybe sometime, but welcome back. Uh, the, the other song that, that we sang was, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. And when we were singing that, it reminded me of the quote I said last week that uh, I think it was John Piper said it, God is doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of only three. God is doing things in your life and a lot of things we don't even recognize what he's doing. We, we're, we're only aware of just few of them, but he's doing something in your life. God is actively working in your heart and in your life. Uh, this morning, and he will this week, and I praise God uh, for, for that. So getting into uh, 
just the, the message this morning. And uh, as far as announcements, again, for most of you have been there in regards to what's going on next week. Uh, Seth is going to run with, with that next week. So starting time is at 10 o'clock. But actually, there are some visitors coming in. Can you just tell us, tell the visitors what your plan is for next Sunday, for Easter Sunday? That's coming up next week. All right, thank you, Seth, in, in preparing for that as well. Three words I want to talk about this morning, and that is, the title of the message is called, It Is Finished. Uh, we ask, it's a question we ask a lot. At least probably most of us have asked some time in our life, when are you going to have my, when is it going to be finished? How soon can you have it finished? Are you finished yet? Is it done yet? You know, with a project or something, we, we ask someone to do it. How soon can you do it? When are you finished? Or maybe we have been asked the question, are you done yet? Because maybe there's something in our, in our lap that we are required to finish, maybe for someone else, and they'll say, are you finished yet? Is it finished? And we probably, maybe we have good excuses, maybe we don't have good excuses, uh, we'll say, you know, I just can't get everything done. You've probably heard that before. Or I need more time. We've probably all heard that before, right? And we've maybe said that as well. We make all kinds of excuses for not getting things finished. And we live in a world that is filled with unfinished business, unfinished buildings. We have this, uh, you know, just on our property here, a structure, a foundation that got started, and it never got finished. It's still unfinished. There's just a lot of unfinished things, unfinished dreams, and the reality is we're only here on earth for so long. We're not here for forever. We're going to die on this earth unless the Lord returns before we die. So it's very possible that there's going to be some unfinished things in our life. But does it have to be that way? And we're going to look at, talk about a person this morning who finished his work. And obviously, we, we, we're, we're talking about Jesus this morning. But when Jesus died, he said, it's finished. I'm done. Not many people can say that. Now, obviously, he knew he's going to die. We don't all know when we're going to die. But the reality is, and the fact is, he knew what he was supposed to accomplish, and he did. So with confidence, he said, it is finished. I'm done. Paul was another one. In 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 7, Paul talks about it. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. He knew he's about to die. This is the, uh, the end of 2 Timothy and he says, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. So not only did Jesus say it, Paul said it as well. He said, you know what? I'm about to die. I'm done. I fought a good fight. Now I'm done. 
So he obviously knew what he was supposed to do as well. And I find it very interesting what Paul says there, some of the words that he says. He says, I finished the race. He didn't say, I gave up. He didn't throw in the towel. He didn't quit. He finished the race. He kept being persistent. He kept going. Jesus was the same thing. Jesus, by, by Jesus saying, it is finished, just before he died, tells me that he was very persistent. There would have probably been lots of times where he just would have wanted to quit and give up. But that doesn't finish the race. Quitting doesn't finish it. Giving up doesn't finish it. Throwing in the towel doesn't finish it. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, I, I fought a good fight. It wasn't always easy. Fights aren't, aren't easy. But Paul had struggles. We all do. But he said, I, I did it. I fought a good fight. I finished it. I kept the faith. And finishing is great. Finishing is satisfying. Most times, finishing is very worth it when we get to where we can say, we are finished. But what I want to talk about this morning is look at Jesus' life. A lot of times when we think of finishing something, we think of projects, something we're working on, something we're building, something we're fixing, or something someone else is fixing, or you're waiting on it. But this morning, I want to talk about our life this morning, of completing what we're supposed to complete with our life. Jesus did. Paul did. I want to do that. I don't know if I'll come to the end of my life and know that I'm going to die in several days or if I get killed. I don't know that. We don't, we're not aware of that. But one thing I do want to happen for me and I want to happen for you as well is when that time comes, we can confidently say, I'm finished. What God had for me, I did. I didn't give up. I ran the race and I completed it. Jesus, when he was born, so we're going to talk about Jesus a little bit. We celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas time, right? And then we celebrate his death and resurrection at Easter, which is next Sunday. Today will be Palm Sunday. And so there's a lot of things when you look at scripture of what happened between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, an awful lot. We're not going to get there a whole lot, but I, I'm just going to look at Jesus a little bit. So Jesus was born as a baby. We all know that, right? And we celebrate that. Jesus had a mom and dad. He grew up. He was hungry. He was thirsty. There was times I'm sure he was cold. There was some times I'm sure he was hot. Jesus knew, I'm sure he knew what it was to be dirty. I'm sure he knew what it was to be clean, to take a bath and to, and to feel clean. There was times he felt tired. There was times he had lots of energy. There was a lot of things that Jesus learned while he was growing up, from a baby to an adult. He was influenced by other people. He liked to have good relationships with people. I'm sure he dealt with his identity growing up as well. 
like who am I? What are, what are other people saying? I'm sure that was probably part of it. He wanted to be loved. He wanted to be accepted. See, Jesus was a normal boy. And so he grew up on this earth like us. And he experienced things that we experience. And so now he can identify with us as our Savior, as our now, as a Savior and a Lord and, and as our Father. He can identify with us. He knows what it's like to live on this earth because he did. He was here. A lot of the things that we deal with, he dealt with. He can relate to us. He also knows what, it, what it's like to be talked about, to be taken advantage of, to be made fun of, to be mocked. Jesus knows what it's like to be that, to have that happen, to be laughed at, to be spit on. Now, I don't think everyone, anyone ever spit on me yet. But Jesus knows what it's like to have that done to him. He knows what it's like to be let down. He knows what it's like to be hated. Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed, accused of, lied to. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. He can relate to us. He also knows what it's like to be praised, to be loved, to be exalted, to be encouraged. And we love that part of it when someone encourages us, right? It feels good when someone does it. Jesus knows what that's like as well. Jesus knows what it's like to live on this earth. And so we can come to him with all our concerns, the things we're going through, and we can spill it out to him, and he understands. There are some things, a lot of things, that I don't understand. Some people can share things with me. They're going through a situation that I can't relate to because I've never been there. But Jesus can relate to it. So whatever situation you're in this morning, Jesus can relate to that. Jesus knows what it's like to have purpose, obviously. Because if you don't know what it's like to have purpose, and you don't know what your purpose is, you don't come to your end of your life and say, it's done. I did what I was supposed to do if you have no clue what you were supposed to do. Jesus makes it very clear in a number of verses. I'm just going to read several verses about Jesus' purpose. Now, there's a lot, okay, but I just picked out several that I'm going to read about Jesus' purpose. In John 6, verse 38, he says, For I have come from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus knew that was his purpose. It's not to do his own will, but the will of him who sent him. John 12, 46 and 47 says, I have come into the world as light, so whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to the, judge the world, but I came to save it. Jesus knew why he was here. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He knew that he's here not to be served, but to serve. 
he knew. And when I look at that verse, and I look at Jesus' life as well. Do you see how, do you realize how unselfish Jesus was? And the difference it would be if Jesus would have been selfish? Jesus was very unselfish. If he would have been selfish, it would be completely different. In Luke 19, 9 and 10, the story of Zacchaeus, great story. This is a little guy, and God just uses that as an opportunity to teach, and he goes to his house. But Jesus says in verse 9 and 10 in Luke 19, uh, when he was at Zacchaeus' house, he says, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also the son of Abraham. For the son of man, this is talking about Jesus himself, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost, to be our Savior. And he knew that. That was one of his purposes. And he spoke it. Not only did he know it, but he spoke what his purpose was. John 4.34, I must finish the work that God gave me to do. Now that's pretty focused. He says, I must finish the work that God gave me to do. He knew there's work to be done. He knew what it was, and he stayed focused on what he was supposed to do. He didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel before he was finished. We talked about that earlier. He was persistent. He kept going. He didn't stop before it was done. He went until he was finished, and then he said, it's finished. For 33 years, he lived on this earth. And so he knows what it's like. Again, I said this before, but he knows what it's like to live on this earth. So we have Jesus, you know, being born as a baby, live life. He learned. He grew. He was tempted. He was hungry, thirsty. And we know there's a lot of things that, that he did in this time. But when we come to the end of his life, we come to a day. To where up on a hill there's three crosses, and they're going to have a crucifixion. And three people are going to die, and he's one of them. And he knows he's going to die soon. So with all the torture and all the beatings, all the slander that he experienced the physical pain, the emotional pain, the drama that he experienced, the humiliation that he experienced. He knows what it's like to be humiliated. He is now about to die on a cross. And not only him, but there's going to be two other people on either side. I don't know what this scene would be like. To go somewhere and to see three crosses and to know that three people are going to be die, uh, three people are going to die that day. I don't know what emotions would go through me to experience that. 
And so Jesus hangs on the cross, on the middle cross. And he knows his time on earth is about finished. But he knows at this moment as well that the things that he was supposed to do, he did. So I'm sure there's people watching. I think, actually, I think one of the, the Gospels talks about it, I think maybe Luke talks about it, that people stood around, and rightly so. So people were standing around watching this. And it would be a very interesting thing to watch. A crucifixion of people dying, being put on a cross. So you have these people standing around and they're watching, and the Bible gives uh, some of what happened. It talks about, and they, it gives some of the conversations that were going on. You know, you have these rulers, you have these tough guys talking. They're mocking him. They're saying, Jesus, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. They said, he saved others. Now he can't even save himself. What kind of savior is this? They knew he saved others. Because if you look at the, the way they started the conversation, they started that, that phrase like that. They said, he saved others. So it's very possible these rulers, these tough guys, maybe had some friends that followed Jesus. But like, he saved others, and this guy is not saving himself. Or can he not save himself? Even the criminal, the one guy on the, on the cross beside him, joined in the conversation and said, hey, Jesus, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. And so you have these people just talking about this Savior that was on this earth, and now he's dying, and he can't even save himself. Like, who wants to follow a Savior like this? I mean, I would think there are, some of them are probably asking, some of them probably didn't understand what's going on. I'm guessing a lot of people didn't understand what's going on. But it's very possible some of them were asking the question or saying, you know, I don't know what the Messiah is like but I'm pretty sure a Messiah that's worth his name shouldn't be hanging on a cross. So what is really going on here? Of a man dying, living, being our Savior, and now he's dying, and we're watching him die, and he's not saving himself. Paul nails it in 1 Corinthians. If you look at 1 Corinthians, the first chapter in verse 18, Paul says this. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And that's exactly what it is. To those who are perishing, this doesn't make sense. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The foolishness, it is foolish to those who are perishing. 
But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. We can rejoice because we know we need a Savior, and we know what Jesus is doing. He's dying. He's giving his own life for us. So if it's foolish to you, if this story is foolish to you, it's because you're perishing. If it's music to your ears, it's because you're being saved. Because Jesus is dying as a perfect lamb to be our Savior. And it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So we have two criminals on either side. They have family. I'm sure they had some family. They may have some friends. Peers, probably, that were there. Maybe some people that influenced them. People that certainly knew who they were, at least some of them. So they're about to die as well. They're hanging on this cross beside Jesus. And they're hearing these words that these people are saying to Jesus. It's obviously they were close enough because I think it's in Luke uh, to where they, they actually had some conversations. They're about to die. Death is right in front of them. And the one, they hear Jesus... They hear Jesus' response as well. They hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they're doing. Really? They both heard that. Of Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. So the one joins in with the crowd and he he comes along in agreement to and he says jesus if you are the christ save yourself and save us the other one said remember me when you come into your kingdom They were both about to die. They both had said completely different things. The one believed, the other did not believe. The one that believed said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. He died believing. The other one said, Jesus, if you are the Son of God. He was still questioning. The word if, by him saying, if you're the Son of God, tells me he didn't believe. And he also died in unbelief. So we have the one dying believing and the other dying in unbelief. And by the one believing, and by them dying, believing and not believing, they went to complete separate places. They ended up in different places. 
Don't die in unbelief. Do not die in unbelief. Just before Jesus died, I don't know who died first. If these people, if you know, the criminals on either side of Jesus died first, or if Jesus died first, I'm not sure. But just before Jesus died, one of Jesus' last words, he, in the Greek word, the Greek word that Jesus said, I'm going to try to, try to say it properly. Oh, now it's not coming to me. I have it written down. I, I, I was practicing this word, trying to say it right. It's T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-I-A. Telostia. That doesn't sound right. That's not right. Telostia, something like that. I, I'm, still, I'm still cutting it up. But that's the word that Jesus said in Greek. And that word has several different meanings. When Jesus said that. The one definition of that word is, it is finished. When Jesus said that word, he said he was meaning, it is finished. What was finished? His suffering? Yeah. His humiliation? Yeah. His earthly life, yeah, that was all finished. Pilate, his headaches were finished. The rulers were probably thinking, we're finally finished with this guy. This guy that brought us so much trouble, caused so much chaos, he's finally finished. They probably thought that. The disciples, Jesus' followers, I'm not sure what all they thought. It's very possible they thought, this guy that we were following, that we thought is going to be our Savior, is dead. Our teacher and our leader just died. And he himself said it's finished. Satan was probably really excited at this moment because finally, Jesus is finished. I'm done with this guy. Was probably some thoughts for him. Now notice, and, and some, some scriptures use the word, it is finished. And, and that's accurate. But notice that Jesus says, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. There's a difference. The work that Jesus needed to do on earth, he did. And therefore, he came to the end of his life and he said, it is finished. But his work as our Savior, the I is not finished. He is still working today. I am not finished, is in Jesus' words.
John 19, 28 says this, after Jesus, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, said, to tell us die. There it is. It came to me. <laughs> to tell us die is how you pronounce that word. Jesus, knowing, th knowing that all things were now accomplished, he said, to tell us die. I'm done. It is not I am done. Sorry, I said that wrong. It is finished. The work that I was supposed to do is finished. What a moment. What a moment of experiencing death. Three people died that day. One being our Savior, the one dying believing, and the other dying in unbelief. Several other things that tetelestai means, and I find this amazing. I'm not going to get into this, but I find this amazing, uh, the, the meaning of, of this word, tetelestai. One is, it is finished. We talked about that. Another one is, the work is complete. The work is complete. And I, I read that in the New Testament time, some some slaves and workers, when they'd be done at the end of their day, they would come into their, their boss or their manager and they would use this word, tetelestai. I'm done. The work you gave me to do today, I'm done. The work is complete. Another definition is the sacrifice is accomplished. Isn't that awesome? The sacrifice is accomplished is a meaning of this word. Or definition of this word. Because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. We needed, a we needed a Savior. And it's now accomplished. Another definition is the debt is paid in full. Isn't that awesome? The debt is paid in full. There's no more to be paid for. You don't have, we don't owe anything else. And I also read that was a word that they used in the New Testament time. If they had debts, when they made their final payment, they said, Tetelestai, you're done. You don't owe me anything anymore. So we can now be reconciled to our holy God. Tetelestai, it is finished. The work is complete. The sacrifice is accomplished. The debt is paid in full. Two things I want you to remember here this morning. I know I'm, I'm ending on, on the note here of Jesus dying. I'm aware of that, but I'm okay with that. Next Sunday, Easter Sunday, is when you celebrate him rising from the dead, the glorious resurrection of him being alive, being triumphant over death, being victorious, and we know that story, but I'm not going to go into there. I'm going to stop here this morning. But this week as you process that and, and just the gratefulness and the goodness and the awesomeness and the power that was there. So many things that were incredibly powerful in this time from the veil of the temple being torn to the rock. I, a number of years ago, I did some study on the, on the rock that was moved in front of the tomb. It was an incredibly heavy rock. 
And there's so much power that went on in Jesus' resurrection and us knowing now that he's alive and he intercedes for us. So that's the awesome part of it. But the thing that I, two things I want you to get here this morning, and I'm just going to say this in closing, is I want each, each one of us and myself to come to the end of my life and to be able to say, it's finished. I did what God wanted me to do. I didn't give up, and that means not giving up. It means being persistent. It means running the race and finishing it. But to come to the end of our life and say, it's finished. I did it. The other thing I want you to remember, don't die in your unbelief. Do not die in unbelief. But die believing. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, I want to thank you that you are now alive. You have risen from the grave. You are our Savior. Lord, I want to thank you for interceding for us. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, we're so grateful for what you're doing in our hearts. But Father, thank you for what we can learn about Jesus' life while he was here on earth. We're still, we're all on this earth. We're in human bodies. We're in flesh. And we have one shot at this life here on this earth. We don't get a second chance. Jesus didn't get a second chance on earth. He had one chance, as we all do. But Father, we see Jesus coming to the end of his life. Before he died, he knew that he had accomplished what he was supposed to accomplish on this earth. So, Father, I'm asking for myself and for each one of us here and each person that's listening, Father, this morning, that we would accomplish the things that you want us to accomplish while we're on this earth. Father, help us not to give up. Help us not to grow weary, but that you would give us strength and persistence to finish the race. Father, I want to thank you that your work is not done. Jesus says, Jesus said, it is finished. He did not say, I am finished. And Father, I'm so grateful this morning that Jesus is still working in our hearts. So Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I pray a blessing and I pray an awareness, Father, more of an awareness that we would be more aware of what you're doing. And Father, that we would allow you as well to keep renewing us, transforming us, making us uh, into the people that you intended for us to be. So Father, help us to live life well. And Father, the next thing, I'm asking that none of us here this morning would die in unbelief as the one criminal on the cross did. But we would die believing. Lord, you're good. Thank you so much for your blessings. 
Thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning. I pray a blessing on each person as, as we go from here. Father, may the words of our mouth, may the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen.